And it's clear that the firing lines, I guess we could say, or as I've been describing it, the geometry of how these people are going to fight each other between now and Election Day, all of that is becoming much more evident. I guess it's a bit like you know, those uh, movies where an art gallery has all these lasers and then you spray something into the air and all of a sudden you can see them. So now you can see who's fixing a laser on which candidate. And most of the lasers seem to be pointed at Olivia Chow. Also in the news this morning, we have learned of the arrest of a 14-year-old girl. Not surprising, really, because she was clearly seen in that video, allegedly firing a Roman candle off inside of a bus. She is charged with mischief endangering life. She's due to appear in court on July 14th. She was sent home with her parents, and that must have been an interesting conversation. It's Test Tube Thursday, which means we turn to our science expert, Dan Riskin, to talk about the world of science. Nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning. I love your visual of the laser beams in the art gallery. I'm just picturing John Moore and other Torontonians trying to walk their way through the museum doing those weird, you know, like somersaults and things yeah. trying to get through this mayoral campaign. But it's it's a it's a good visual. OK, well, I won't wear the leather bodysuit that Catherine Zeta-Jones <laughs> was wearing. OK, um, Ed, I'm really fascinated by this story and I know you're hot on it as well. Um, NHL players stick tape and whether or not it actually provides any kind of advantage. Yeah. So the idea is if you have, and I'd heard this before, if you have black stick tape, like down around your blade, uh, the puck is harder for the goalie to see. And so it gives you an advantage. And so there's this tantalizing headline in the, in the athletic.com. Can an NHL player stick tape give him an advantage? Here's what the science says. And I was like, oh, this article was written for me. I love it. And I read the article and there was no science at all. There was oh. nothing. I mean, it was all anecdotes and you know, this could happen. And it's, there was some stuff about how many milliseconds it takes for a, a signal to go from the eye to the brain of a goalie but that wasn't that was just a non sequitur so yeah brad marchand uh switched to from white tape to black tape charlie coyle has switched from black tape to white tape but most players they they have either black tape or white tape on their stick and they stick with it for their for their whole career now what's funny about this article is that at the end they provide a list of the top 10 goal scorers in the nhl for the last 10 seasons and what color stick tape each of those players has. And so I was like, well, there are the data, let's do the science. And so I went and crunched the numbers. I got that list of players and I, I pulled it all together. And what you ended up with was 48 unique players because if, if it was a different group of players every year that was on that top 10 list, you'd have 100 players. But, you know, some players are on that list multiple years, like Ovechkin or McDavid or people like that. So when, you're, when, you, when you take each player, you get 48 unique players. Of those, 18 have black tape and 30 have white tape. And so you can just compare how many goals they have between those two groups. And that's what I did. And what I found is that there's absolutely no difference. The, the number of goals that those players get is around 39 or 40 uh, in, on average and these are the top scorers uh, in, in any season. So there's no difference whatsoever. So to answer the question of what whether the player stick tape can give them an advantage, there's no evidence that it does give any advantage. So uh, that theory, although it sounds very cool, uh, it, there's really no data to support it. Okay. You're going to publish this? No, you know what? It was. I think to do it properly, you'd you'd want to look because this my analysis only deals with the top players in the NHL, and it, you could ask yourself whether something different has put them into the top list. So maybe the players that are using black stick tape got into that top list when they wouldn't have been in that top list if they'd been using white tape. So what I really need to do is look at a broader sample of NHL players, but it, I don't know even know where to go looking for data on all the players and what color stick tape they have. But it, it could be done, but uh, I, I probably won't go much farther with this. 
There was an event yesterday where they talked about UFOs, and I appreciate we're not supposed to call them UFOs anymore, but what did we learn? Well, we learned that when the government tells us to call them UAPs, we call them UFOs. Like, we're going to stick it to the man. This is, um, this is a, a panel that was convened uh, to study UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. That is the new lingo that the, the U.S. government prefers for UFOs because everybody thinks you're a wingnut if you say UFO. So, okay, fine. So we'll call them UAPs. Um, and what's different here is that although the Pentagon and the military have been studying these things and issuing reports, the, the military's real objective is to uh, protect the country. And so they've been very secretive and that's caused a lot of people to think that they're hiding something. And so there are not, a, there are quite a few people that think there are UF like, like aliens among us and that there's evidence of it that's being covered up by the US government. So in an effort to be more transparent, what they did is they gave their data to NASA scientists. Now NASA scientists are not trying to give the US a military advantage. That's not their objective. Their objective is to uncover the truth relating to space and air and so uh, and they're beholden to humanity it says so in their mission statement so they were given the data and this panel is going to issue a report in july but this was the first time that they sort of spoke and basically what they said is listen like we're scientists and we're open-minded and all that stuff but the military gave us all the data and the data aren't great like we don't have a lot of the information we need we don't know where some of the stuff was filmed we don't know what kind of camera was used the the quality of the data is such that we're not going to be able to come up with very much just to manage your expectations for what you're going to see in July. So uh, that's where we're at. So I think people that still want to believe in in aliens among us are going to have plenty of uh, plenty of uh, hedging bets that they can use to say, well, we don't know yet. Okay, uh, an early snowmelt in Western Mountains. What is that? What's the consequences of that? Yeah, so I mean, the way that uh, the western part of North America works is that it snows in the winter, and then as summer comes, it warms up, and that snowmelt makes rivers, and that feeds sort of ecosystems, and that's the way it's worked for thousands of years. But uh, because of climate change, there's been a shift, and so uh, snowpack water storage, uh, this new analysis shows, has gone down by about a quarter if you go from like 1950 to about now, and so that means uh, you're getting earlier snowmelt and you have less snowfall and you have more rain and so what that's doing is it's kind of changing with the way the water flows into these ecosystems and so we're going to have to adjust to that so that that affects obviously the water itself for drinking and for agriculture but also for hydroelectric power and when water when those rivers are rushing you know if it all comes out in the early spring uh and like now we're starting to get you know the the melt happening in march when it used to be not until may or june when the melt really started going so we're getting the the water earlier and that means there isn't isn't as much water later in the summer to power all our air conditioners uh through hydroelectric power and it also means that the rivers are a little bit warmer which is going to have impacts on habitat for animals and stuff so we're, we're just we're seeing that happening and we need to adjust to it and there are a whole bunch of ramifications from it, and that's what this study is showing. Okay. I was at a swank opening for a place called uh, Ultra last night on St. Clair, and there was there were flecks of gold in the cocktail I was handed. What's that about? Ooh, that's fancy. Well, I don't know what they were doing at Ultra. That sounds very, very swanky, and I'm, I'm very impressed that you went out in the evening when you have to get up so early. So good for you, John. <laughs> it um, was an early start. 
there's a, there's a new uh, there's a new paper that suggests that you might be getting something like that for your wine. So one of the things that can go bad with wine, and it's not that bad, but sometimes it, it gets off, right? It has these these flavors that you don't really like. This sort of skunky, sort of sulfur uh, taste that that uh, is very you know basically when a wine goes bad, and that's because of volatile sulfur compounds. So things like hydrogen sulfide, methane ethyl, uh, ethane ethyl, all these things that have sulfur in them. And sulfur binds really nicely to gold. And so what scientists are putting out now is uh, this basically like a, a strip of material that you would bring into contact with your wine. So whether it goes in the bottle for a day or two, or whether the wine gets poured across it for part of the, the, the manufacture of the wine is unclear, but it's not something you drink with the wine. It's something that goes, gets exposed to the wine and then it's taken out and it binds up all those sulfur. So uh, basically it's like gold nanoparticles. They dip it into the wine, it soaks up all that sulfur and then they take it out and those sulfur flavors are gone. And, and they just published a paper showing that it's really effective. And so it, it might be that you'll be getting little hints of gold and you'll be able to sit at the table and sniff your wine and say, oh, yeah, I'm getting big hit of gold in this one. This is really nice. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's Dan Riskin, our science expert.